I'm Philip Brand. I'm the pastor here. If you're visiting with us for the first time, I'm glad that you're here. I've, I've met a couple of you this morning, so um, I didn't really tell anybody I was a pastor. One, one person figured it out because they must have been to the website or whatever, but, but that's great. But nonetheless, um, good, good to see you this morning. Glad you're here. And, um, and this is just who we are. Um, something special, I think, who we are, but nonetheless... This is, this is just who we are. How many of you are getting ready for tomorrow, which is the first day of fall, which is going to feel like summer? <laughs> Anybody? Yeah? So um, if you close down the pool on Labor Day weekend, I'm sorry you did that. You could have probably swam a couple more weeks after that. Um, but nonetheless, there you have it. Tomorrow's first day of fall. Yeah. All right. So we're, we're in a series called Mark, it, and I'm doing, there's something a little weird about these series that we're doing right now, they're, they're not all in order, but nonetheless, it's marked, and um, uh, Robin and Greg are not here today because they're celebrating their wedding anniversary, and they're off camping. Uh, Robin is a staff member here, she predates all of us um, on staff, um, she's held the church together, she's been the glue um, making sure things get done and little details and making sure that the finances are correct and ch- checks are mailed. And she is a uh, coupon person. She um, likes to use coupons. And if you don't use a coupon when you buy something, um, she tells you about it a little bit, which is, which is absolutely fine. So she's really thankful for her. Um, when I go to uh, Staples to pick something up with Robin's coupon, um, they often ask me, uh, what is your phone number, right? What is your phone number? And, and I say 336-998-3826, which is the church's number. And then the person behind the counter goes, oh, Robin? And I go, no, Bruce. <laughs> Have it caught on, wouldn't catch all, but I do that every time. I just kind of get a kick out of that because that's kind of how my mind kind of works. Bruce Wayne, okay, just in case. There's a couple of you, okay. So Bruce and Robin, right, that sort of deal. Um, when I was a kid, um, I used to, we used to have groups of friends come over to our house from time to time. And just in case you didn't live in the 80s era, um, we, we had bag phones that were big that you stuck in the middle of your console for, for car phones, and they were brand new back then. But we basically had rotary dial phones, or they had just come out with those touch button things that had the little bop, 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 and you could hear it on the phone. Remember that? Well, when I was a kid, I used to get a group of friends together, and <clears throat> we used to go through the phone book and kind of just pick somebody out of the phone book. And we would dial the number, and the person that had the lowest voice would get on the phone and would say, um, this is your uh, telephone company, Bell South. Uh, we'll be working on your line for the next 30 minutes, please. And I repeat, please do not answer your phone or you'll electrocute our technician and hang up phone, okay? About two, three minutes later, I would dial the number because I had the highest voice, and they would answer the phone, and I would go, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and just in case you wondered, there was no call back. You couldn't figure out who called you anyway, and so that was the whole deal, so that, that was kind of fun. So, so recently, I was kind of thinking about our day and the day we live in, and 
if I was a teenager again and wasn't married with a wife that prevents me from doing those kinds of things now, what, what would I get into? And because my son is helping with children's worship today, I think I can share this with you. Um, so, so I was thinking this through past couple of weeks, and I came up with something. Um, I, I went to Lowe's. Have you ever been to Lowe's Food? Not Lowe's, but Lowe's Food. And you, you're in line, and the lady goes, well, what's your phone number? And you give her your phone number, and then you get the discount, whatever it is, because everybody's the MVP person, right? They, they always want that number. What I thought would be so cool, like if I was younger and I was still doing this and I wasn't mature, um, <coughs> is, is I would stand behind people and lied and hear them give their phone number. Because right after the phone number, they give you the name, right? We talk about identity stealing, right? I would be right back there with my little phone because, you know, everybody's looking at their phone. Okay, they said 336-293-9274, and their name is Ben right? And I would keep that on my phone. About a day later, now I've imagined this in my mind, me actually doing this. I am that crazy. So get on the phone. I just think this would be awesome. Get on the phone. You dial that number. Ben answers the phone. He said, hi, Ben. How you doing? Good. Haven't seen you since Monday. Who is this? Oh, I'm the guy that was behind you in line that you gave your number to um, at Lowe's. Yeah. Are you doing good? How's the family? How's stuff like that? I just think that would be awesome. Would that not be awesome? And just do it to several people. Just get a bunch of numbers. Just call, start dialing, hey, Becky, how's it going? Who is this? Oh, this is that guy that was in line with you. It would freak her out. In line with you in Lowe's, right? And, oh, man, it would just be absolutely incredible. I know some of you are horrified by this. <laughs> absolutely horrified by this. But everybody in here is worried about, like, your identity getting stolen on the Internet. You haven't thought about someone like me. I am listening, getting your phone number. Yeah, wouldn't that also be a great way for Farmington Baptist to have an outreach? Everybody goes, right? And you get their phone number, you say, hey, Ben, God gave me your number, right? Wouldn't that be absolutely incredible? Yeah, and so we'd have their identity, their phone number. We could do a reverse phone lookup. I don't know if you can do this and get their address. We could, we could sell them all kinds of stuff, right? So... So, so there you go. With that in mind, I want you to turn to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. <clears throat> and we are going to be, begin reading in verse 9. In verse 9. Verse 9, and this is what it says. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. That's John the Baptist. We met him last week. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. That's an interesting, of course it's interesting. It's an interesting verse. Um, he saw the heavens being torn open. It's, that word there is actually the Greek word for ripped asunder. And so, so he came up out of the water and saw the heavens ripped to the place where he could see right into the throne room of God. This has happened um, 
two other times this, this verb is used, two other times in Scripture. One is in Mark chapter 15, verse 38, where the um, temple curtain was rent from top to bottom, and you could see into the Holy of Holies. The other time that this verb is used in a different form, but it's still used, is when um, Stephen is being stoned and he looks up into heaven and the heavens rip apart and he can see right in there. So at this point in time, it's, it's, he's like looking and the heavens are rent apart and there, there he sees God the Father and, and it's, pretty, it's pretty incredible. I do not know if anybody else around him saw this, but from this text, it seems that Jesus is the only one that saw uh, the heavens open, just like it would have been with Stephen, okay? So that, that's really interesting. And then, and then second, it says, descending on him like a dove, like a dove. So the Holy Spirit is seen as a dove, and um, a dove came from somewhere. I do believe that everybody saw the dove that was with them, and it landed on his shoulder. And then a voice came from heaven that said, you are my beloved son, with you, I am well pleased. So there's, there's a couple of things about this. First of all, God the Father from heaven told God the Son, you're my beloved Son and I love you, I approve of you, I am with you, I'm, I'm proud of you. And so he continues that and he says, with whom I am well pleased. So right from the get-go, Jesus Christ Although he already knew his identity, God the Father confirmed his identity to everybody around if they heard it. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. What a great way to start a ministry, right? For, for God the Father in heaven and for somebody to say, hey, this is my son, I love him, and I am well pleased with him. What, what a great way to start. And so Jesus, his identity right from the get-go is the son of God. But he's, God the Father isn't going to be the only person that points this out. And the next time we see this particular son of God thing pointed out is in chapter 15 that I referred to before. And it's around verse 38. And, um, it, and it says, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And verse 39 says, and when the centurion, who, by the way, isn't Jewish and isn't Christian, is a Gentile, is a Gentile, who stood facing him, saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, truly, this man was the son of God. So, at the beginning of Jesus' life and at the end, and I know he rose three days later, so I'm not saying that, but at the end where he died, there is an opening that says this is God's son and there's a closing that says this is God's son because God, Jesus Christ was God's son. He was the Messiah. He was the word become flesh that dwelt among us. He was the one that was going to redeem and save the entire world. And that was his identity. It's an amazing identity. This is an identity that Jesus Christ lived throughout his entire life. He didn't necessarily always tell people who he was, but he definitely lived out that identity. In the same regard, you and I also have an identity. If you've received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you've accepted him into your life, you are now called a child of God. 
Scripture would even go even one step further and say, you are a son and daughter of God. That is an amazing thing. It is amazing that I can stand before you today and I can call myself a son, a child of the God who created me and that he loves me enough to redeem my soul. If you're a lady in the room, it's an amazing thing for you to sit there and you to think, I am a daughter of the living God, the one that redeemed my soul, the one that loved me enough to do that. It is an amazing title. It is our number one identity as people. It is what we find value in. And it's an identity that never, ever, ever changes. You will always have it. And it doesn't matter if you are always on the right road or if you find yourself on the wrong road. It doesn't matter if, if, you, if you find yourself really serving God and loving him and in his presence and pursuing him in righteousness. It, is, it, it it's, doesn't matter if you're this or if you are down the road somewhere and you've gotten way away from God to where it's really dark in your life. You've done some things that you really regret that you can't undo. You are still a son and daughter of God. At this point, he's just waiting for you to come on home. That's what he's waiting for you to do. He's waiting for you to repent and come back to him and live that life that he died for you to live. But you're still a son and daughter of God because it's not what you do that makes you a son or daughter of God. It is what he did on the cross. So you are always that person. And if you're in the depths of a depraved mind and feeling bad about yourself and you do not have much self-worth, I want you to know there's a God in heaven that calls you his child, his son, his daughter. Hold on to that and use it as a rope to pull you up out of that hole. Amen? He loves you. So that's his identity. That's, that's the identity. This also says that with you, I am well pleased. With you, I'm well pleased. What has Jesus humanly done up till this point? Nothing. Nothing at all, right? He's done nothing. Nothing at all. Now, was he the perfect kid? Yeah. Did James, his brother, say, quit telling me to do it like Jesus did it? Sure. Sure that happened in the house. So he's been a perfect kid his entire life, but Jesus Christ has not started his ministry. He has done nothing at all. He has done nothing that would deserve God the Father at this point in his ministry to say, I'm well pleased with you. Right? There's no tangible something. The reason that God says that he is well pleased with Jesus Christ is because he loves him and he's his son. And he is well pleased with him. He's well pleased with what he has done. Um, as many of you know, I like, I like Charlie Brown. And this kind of brings up, brings up a question that Charlie Brown asked in one of his cartoons. Do you know what I wonder? Sometimes I wonder if God is pleased with me. Hold on a second. Wonder if God is pleased with me. Do you ever wonder that? I do. There are times that I wake up at night and I wonder that. There are times I'm driving down the road and I wonder that. 
there's some times where I've done something that I shouldn't have done that I wonder that. Is God really pleased with me? Next. Do you ever wonder if God is pleased with you? He just has to be. <laughs> he just has to be. Yeah, that's great. So, so sometimes we wonder if, if God is pleased with us. Sometimes we wonder that. Um, have you have you ever? Um, sorry, I I just had a moment. Um, have you ever? been in a situation where you felt like God isn't pleased with you, but, but you've really tried hard to follow him? Have you, ever, have you ever been in a situation where you've decided to follow Jesus and um, everything's good and you feel like he's well pleased with you, but then something happens that takes you kind of off kilter? Have you ever had that happen? Like you're really trying to follow him, but then the next day happens and, and it's almost like you're attacked. You're really trying to do the right thing, but the next day it seems like everything's against you to do the right thing. Have you, have you ever been in that particular situation? Here is Jesus Christ, and he, he has been baptized, which is immersed and come, come back up. He's had Heavenly Father say that he's his son. He's had the Heavenly Father say that he's well pleased with him. And then the very next thing that happens to him is that he is tempted immediately. Now, did Jesus Christ make a commitment to God at that moment? No, Jesus Christ was already committed to God. I mean, we can talk about the Trinity and all that kind of stuff. He was confirmed at that moment. And this was a great moment for him. But at the very next day, or within hours, Jesus Christ is being tempted. Check this out. Verse 12. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was following the Spirit right out to the wilderness. And what happened? Satan shows up, and he tempts him. He tempts him. Now, this word for tempting is that's actually parazo. In the Greek, and it means put to the test. It means to test strength. So Satan comes to him and he's tempted and he's testing the strength of Jesus Christ in the wilderness. Have you ever made a commitment to God and you're really gung-ho to follow him and you've made all these commitments and you've repented of your sin and you're gonna set out for, for a new life and a new way with him and all of a sudden the very next day you are tempted, you are tested with that strength. Have you ever had that happen? I have. I have prayed about something before, knew that that was what I was supposed to do, and within hours had resistance. Sometimes that resistance came from people that I really didn't even know. And sometimes, and I'm not trying to say anything, but I'm saying something. Sometimes that resistance came from my wife. Have you ever had your spouse be against something that you know that God wanted you to live out? Have you ever had that happen? And then you have to deal with that. Like if it's somebody I don't know, I can pretty much ignore them. 
right? I can work my way around them. But when it comes to Nicole, and she's a godly woman, so I don't want you to think that. When it comes to Nicole and she has kind of a, a resistance to it, I have to work through that. There's a couple of reasons. Number one, it's not always Satan when she's against it. Right? <laughs> I want it to be. <laughs> but there's a reason why we have a helpmate. And if you're not listening to your husband, and if you're not listening to your wife, you are losing out on what that marriage union can actually do for your walk with Christ. There are some times that my wife actually has some very beneficial things to say to me. It just takes me a while to listen to her. Oh, I am not the only man in the room that has this issue. I am a person that will, that will think and then jump and sometimes jump and then think and sometimes I just move and I'm really excited about something. And Nicole sometimes has to slow me down a little bit to make me think about some things. But there are times, there's been a couple of times where we've talked through some stuff and I knew without a shadow of a doubt that her reasons were not really good reasons and I just needed to lead through it as a man. I needed to lead through it. Every time that has happened, my wife, who prays more than I do, eventually comes around and says, you know, you're right about that. I mark those dates on the calendar. <laughs> um, I have a couple of those. But, but you are right about that. And so we go forward together as a team. So sometimes you are tempted by the very people that are close to you, and you need to be careful how you handle that, but you're still kind of tested. Your strength is tested. And here in Scripture, Jesus, his, he is tested in the wilderness. Here's the sum of how Jesus was tested. Satan came to him and literally offered him the world so that he would not have to go to the cross. That is his temptation. Look, you don't have to go to the cross. I will give you this if you'll bow down to me. That was the essence of Satan's temptation. And it was very hard for, it was very difficult in that particular period of time for Jesus. Not that I think that he would have sinned, but Jesus in a human form was weak because he was fasting for 40 days. Isn't it amazing that when you're tempted, it's always when you're the weakest, not when you're the strongest? Like you, you come out and you're really excited and then a temptation happens and it almost like it bursts that buzzle and immediately you can feel weakness come into your soul. And you're just wondering if this is really the right way and I, I just don't have the strength to do this. During those times, ladies and gentlemen, we need to remind ourselves of our identity. We are sons and daughters of God. We are victorious. And whatever God has told you to do, whatever God has led you to do, you can do it with his power. Do not back down and do not listen to all the negative voices. Put them out of your mind. Rise to that test of strength that's in front of you, that temptation that is in front of you, and defeat it with the power of God. That is what you do. This word for tested is used several other times. Mark chapter 8, verse 11, Mark chapter 10, verse 2, Mark chapter 12, verse 15. I am going to read you the first phrase in each one of those verses. You ready? 
the Pharisees tested him. The Pharisees tested him. The Pharisees tested him. Do you see any similarity there? You see anything that's happening there? The Pharisees tested him. The reason I think this is interesting is the Pharisees were the ones that were supposed to be close to God. They were supposed to be the ones that were following God. But here is God on earth, and they're not following him, and they're testing him because he is taking some of their people. He is becoming more popular than they are. His church is bigger. Right? Church is bigger. And so they're against. It's amazing sometimes what humans can be, can be against from time to time. And here are these Pharisees that are saying, uh, you shouldn't be doing this, and you're not worthy of doing this, and you really should do this up underneath the temple and all this kind of stuff. What if your testing of your faith came from your other believers that you sit beside of in church on Sunday? What if they're the ones that are being used to discourage you from doing the very thing that God wants you to do? I would submit to you today, if you come to this church, you need to be very supportive of everybody in the room. Everybody in the room. If there is somebody trying to do something for the glory of God, we need to be supportive of that. Do we need to talk to them and help them think through some things? Yes, because that's what a family does. But we are supportive of those people and we push them and we help them. If there are people in the room today that we know need to come back to Christ, we help them, we support them, we push them in that direction. And if they have a willing heart to do so, we give 110% to make sure that we are supportive and we're pushing and we're helping them, right? Because their identity, ladies and gentlemen, if they are repenting and going back to God, we cannot allow their identity to be the sin that they have fallen into. They're a child of God and Jesus Christ paid for that sin just like he did mine and we need to help that brother get or sister get back to where they need to be in this setting where they have a strong relationship with God, a strong relationship with Jesus and they're following the Holy Spirit. That is the work of the church. Son or daughter goes astray, we try to help them out. Now if they keep running, Doors always open. We don't necessarily have to chase them because God does a pretty good job chasing people, doesn't he? I mean, he does a real good job chasing people. But when God gets a hold of them and their heart and they turn back around, that is our moment to be a part of that redemptive process. It's our moment to bring them back, to help them back. And we view them the same. That's very difficult to do. But you view them the same. And the way that you do that is you put on the glasses called grace and mercy. Grace and mercy. God wants us to take a child, a, a child of his, and help them back. Now, did anybody ever have to help Jesus back? No. 
No, because he was strong enough to overcome the temptation. He was strong enough to not do the temptation. He was strong enough to pass the test. And ladies and gentlemen, when we are faced with testing, Jesus lives inside of me, and that means that I am strong enough to pass the test. Amen? No matter what it is, I'm strong enough to pass the test. Now, I want to show you a couple of pictures, okay? First, anybody know what the big one is? Charlie Brown. Good. I would revoke your membership if you didn't know that. I'm just kidding. The one up here is Mickey Mouse. It's kind of an artistic kind of thing on Mickey Mouse. And this one right here is, you know what is missing from those pictures? Words. Because visually, when you see the Charlie Brown thing and the Mickey Mouse thing and the Pepsi and the Coke, you know exactly what that is without even seeing words. That is their identity. Their identity is, is there. Here's a couple other ones. These are nurses. I'm just going to give you that one. Um, sometimes I don't know the difference. For instance, uh, I was recently with my dad. He had surgery, and what I thought was the nurse came in, and she was explaining about the surgery. And then I asked, well, is, is the doctor coming in after you? And she looked at me and said, I am the doctor. I said, girl power, good, good. This is good, good to know, girl power. Um, glad, glad you clarified that. Um, and I should have called her doctor, but I don't know. She just didn't look like a doctor. I'm not saying anything. She just didn't look like, you know, she dressed like this. They're supposed to have white on, right? White, not blue. Messed me up. Okay. Over here's police officers, right? We know what they do. They, they protect us. They, they put their lives on the line for us. That, that's what they do. They, they make sure that we are, we are safe as a society. They arrest the bad people. Right here is a firefighter. We know what he does. I don't even have to explain it to you. They, they put out fires, but that's not all they do. They also go to wrecks and help, help with that. They are emergency responders, and we're very thankful for those people, aren't we? Very thankful. But we know because that's their identity, and that's precisely what they do. Are there bad firefighters? Yes. I don't want to say, but I mean, they're people. They're hypocrites everywhere, right? right? So there's some, there's some bad police officers, right? Not many, not as many as you've been led to believe, right? But there, there are some that, that spend too much time at Krispy Kreme, right? And then there are nurses that, that aren't that good. Um, and if you've ever been in the hospital, you, may, you hope that you get a good one, and not a mediocre one or not a bad one, right? You, you always want the good ones. So we know that in that profession, they either do their job with excellence or they don't do their job with excellence. That, that's just what they do, right? So let me show you these pictures. What do all three of these have in common? They're military. They also have in common, they go to our church, okay? Now, if you are a military person sitting in the room or have somebody in the military, you can actually look at these three pictures and you know which branch of service each one of those are in. If you are unfamiliar with, with military, you may, it may take you a while to figure out that one is this and one is that. 
or one is the other. These are three men that we are very proud of. I did not have a picture of Andrew or he'd be up there. Yeah. No, it's not your fault. I just looked and looked and couldn't find it on Facebook. But nonetheless, there you go. Those are, those are pictures. So Andrew, who is her son, is also in the military. We're very proud of them for doing this. We know what that stands for. They are protecting our country at three different levels, right? If you're a Marine, you agree with that statement. Three different levels, right? Three different levels there. Three different categories is what they protect in. We are very, very proud of them, and they are going to do their job. That is their identity. So here's, here's the deal. We expect people in military service to do that job with excellence because that is part of their identity, right? We expect people that are nurses to do that job with excellence because that is who they have identified as, correct? We expect um, people that have the badge, police officers, to do their job with excellence and we respect them greatly for it. Same thing with firefighters. We respect these people a lot because that is our, our identity. That is their identity. What if you and I begin to live as a son and daughter of God as 100, 100% and go for it and live out that identity in our life? Wouldn't that change the world? I don't know how you feel about any of those. Like, let's just say the nurses, because that, that's just easier for me, because I have a lot of respect for the rest of them, okay? Not that that didn't sound right. <laughs> that did not sound right. So we will retract that statement. Um, so help me come from over here, away from God. Help me just get back. Just, just apologize for that. It is very irritating when there is a nurse in a room that isn't doing her job and you are the caretaker for that loved one. They're not coming in to clean them. They're not coming in fast enough for for different things. It's very, very irritating. But when you have a good one, oh, it is awesome. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to go to the nurse's station. You don't have to track them down. You don't have to do anything. There is something about that. Ladies and gentlemen, there are Christians that should be living correctly that aren't living correctly. And the kingdom of God and his church needs every Christian to live correctly, to live right. We need to live out that identity to the best of our ability. And if you are looking for a leader that is going to do that at 100%, and is going to follow at 100%, no matter the cost, you have one. His name is Jesus. He looked into heaven. His father was well pleased. He walked the road to Golgotha. His father was pleased. He arose the third day. His father was pleased. If you are looking for a leader to put your faith in that will never let you down, he is it. And as a son and daughter of him, I have a responsibility to live out my Christian faith at 110% for the glory of the one who saved my soul. 
There should be no reason why you and I fall into temptation and we go in this direction and we do things that we know we're not supposed to do, where we become mediocre, medium living types of Christians. We need to grab a hold of Jesus Christ, hold on to him tightly, and live in this arena. That way, when the testing comes, we're ready for it. That way, when stuff starts happening and we start thinking about our faith and stuff, we're ready for it because we're really trying to live in the center of his will and live out that identity in our life. Amen? So when you're in a situation and you're about to do something wrong, you need to ask this question. Would a son of God do this? No, then I'm not doing it. Would a daughter of God do this? No, then I'm not doing it. Would... Would a son of God say this? No, then I'm not going to say it. Would a daughter of God say this? No, then I'm not going to say it. I am going to live out my faith in Jesus and be a well-pleasing son or daughter of his. Amen? All right. So, I have to end with this. Okay? I have to have to end with this right here. Verse 14. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. First of all, the time is fulfilled. Jesus Christ has already come and he's already rose from the dead. There's already salvation the gospel offered to all of mankind. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's at hand, ladies and gentlemen. It's at hand. It's a reality. If I could rip apart today all this stuff that we currently see and you could actually see into the spirit world, you would actually see that the kingdom of God is at hand. It is upon us. So what do we do? You repent and you believe in the gospel. Now, some of you in the room, a lot of you in the room have already done this. You've already come to a place in your life where you've received the Lord Jesus Christ as your savior. However, there might be some in the room that have never asked Jesus to forgive them of their sins. They have never asked Jesus to come into their heart to be their savior. The gospel is this. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all deserve punishment. But Jesus Christ came in the flesh to die on the cross and shed his blood so that our sins would be forgiven. He took our punishment on the cross. He is the only man in history that could do this because he was perfect. But he did not stay on the cross. Three days later, he arose from the dead so that you can have life. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Everlasting life. I would tell you today that the everlasting life part is not what means a lot to me. What means a lot to me is that now that I've received him as my savior, I am a child of God. That's what means a lot to me. So if you're sitting here today and you've never started a relationship with Jesus, today is your day. Join the family. 
join the movement that is literally going to save and reform the entire world. Amen? Let's pray.